listening to Don's Cast, an unofficial fan podcast about the greatest Australian football team, the Essendon Bombers. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nick. And mate, what a demoralising loss. Um, especially after that second quarter where we kicked six goals to two. But oh, it's just so deflating to lose that game after appearing to be on the path to victory. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jamie. Look, both of us picked GWS to win that game because we didn't trust our structures and the, I suppose the game plan we've been playing with but we didn't pick them to lose like that like we had control of that game like we weren't playing well in the first you know quarter obviously but neither was GWS and I thought GWS played three pretty rubbish quarters and came good in the last and they they pipped us and to me we really should have put the foot in their throats and kicked a few more but even Dylan Shields said after the game you know they had that lead by 29 points in the third quarter and they went back into the shells went into preservation mode and you know when you play scared footy uh, the other team's going to have a chance to have a comeback here and that's exactly what happened so really disappointing to lose like that and it's ironic really we got those six goals by playing bravely and it was just so apparent especially in that last quarter until the final couple of minutes where Sardi kicked that big goal and then Tipper looked headed for, you know, to send the ball deep into our forward line. Before that uh, last chain of events, we had played poor football. We just hunted the boundary line. You know, we kept continuing with Devon Smith. You know, we can only kick 50 metres plus, uh, sorry, 50 metres tops. Uh, coming out of that back line, it was just so predictable and so easy for the Giants to read. And as a result, most of the fall lived in the GWS forward line uh, for most of that quarter. And as I said, we just did not play brave football and we paid the price. Yeah, we did, mate. And that, I guess that's the disappointing thing. Like what we have seen over the last couple of years is what we've been playing well. Yeah, we've taken the game on. So we've you know gone through the centre of the ground or... You know, used our like smart players like Sardi, McKenna, and that kind of thing to just break the lines, get the get the ball going forward for us. This chipping around the wing and stuff like that, it might work if you've got players that have elite disposal, and uh, you know you've got players up and about that can actually mark the mark the footy around the ground. But we just don't like, apart from blokes like Ridley in that in the back line that can hit a target, do look to make that dangerous option. Like that long bomb down the ground, each and every single time it was, you know, getting punched out and we'd get a boundary throw in. And generally because GWS was structuring a bit better, they were, you know, running in a bit more numbers around the contest, they'd just take the ball out and get it down their end. So that's, yeah, the disappointing thing. So, yeah, I'm hoping the guys can actually go, okay, look, if we are going to back our structures and we're not going to have a run with players on their important midfield and that kind of thing well how about we actually stick to like a game plan that we want to play in terms of having the uh like looking dangerous as opposed to trying to chip it short around the wing because that's that doesn't suit our style of play and certainly if we try to get it forward from there you know GWS have just got the time to you know lazily come back to the defensive 50 and have the numbers around the footy so we they basically choke up our opportunities to to get a mark or a, or a kick around goal so another disappointing loss 
But look, mate, another opportunity for learning, and I guess that's working real well for us. Yeah, well, as exciting as the second quarter was where we kicked the six goals, and I've got to say it's our best quarter of footy for the year, no doubt. Uh, we kicked two more goals for the following three quarters. You know, when you line up the first quarter where Nevis side scored, um, then we kicked six to two in the um, second quarter, and then you know one goal in each of the following quarters after that. It's very disappointing to kick eight goals in a match, and you know we can we'll touch about it when we go through the um, each quarter. But you know, Anthony McDonald, Tip Moody, that. Pass off to Sean McKernan. I, I don't know about you, but I felt much more confident with the ball in AMT's hands, and you know, just, we just need him to rekindle his fire and you know take the pressure of actually having to nail a shot because he is a skilled player and he's got to learn that when he gets those opportunities, you know, the club wants him to take the kick. I imagine, and I uh, hope he learns from that as well because. Sean McKernan this year, as we've seen all year, uh, hasn't been a reliable shot at goal, so I thought it was a strange decision on that one. Yeah, it was. And we've talked about it like previously with, like, well, it's it's good to be unselfish, like everything in moderation. And certainly I agree with you, James, that McDonald Tip and Woody is a much better shot at goal than McKernan. Like, even when McKernan's, like, he is confident and he's, he does have form, he's still very erratic in front of goal. So... I would have much rather Tip and Woody kick the goal, but um, you know, gave it off. And it was just a strange decision for mine because while he was a little bit further out, I think he might have been like 35 or 40 metres out from goal, he gave it to Smack, who was only slightly closer in, maybe 25 metres, but on a much tighter angle. So, yeah, another bizarre decision. And uh, look... At the end of the day, we didn't take our opportunities when we got them, and you know I'll go through the stats later. But yeah, we didn't get in there that often either. So if you if you don't get it in there often and you don't take the opportunities when you get them, well, you're not going to win too many games of footy. Yeah, a big talking point out of the game was the Callum Ward free kick, and subsequently, um, yeah, Callum brought it to the attention that he'd received some death threats, and um, yeah, that was. That's pretty disturbing. I think like, we all love the Bombers, but I think uh, you know, if it was an Essendon supporter who did it, and I'm not so sure sometimes it is Essendon for people, like it can sometimes be someone trying to set up the club as well, but you would hope that you've got the same, uh, you know, some governance on yourself not to act in that way. So that was pretty poor form, and yeah, I hope um, the club does stamp that out because I was as annoyed as anyone but yeah once the game's finished I, I think that kind of stuff is pretty rubbish to be honest I don't know about you yeah I, I agree with you Jane that that sort of stuff's not on like it at the end of the day it's a game of footy and while we're disappointed in that sort of behavior we look he put a lot of mayo on that one and I guess at the end of the day Jane while I we don't like that sort of behaviour, he played for the free kick and then they got a goal out of it and that's disappointing, but at the end of the day, players are going to the whistle of the umpires and the umpire got sucked in and at the end of the day Callum Ward played for a free kick so he looks like a bit of a cheat but GWS won the game so while that sort of stuff should get stamped out 
um, you can understand why players do it because if the umpires are getting sucked in, and let's let's be honest, you know, the umpires were looking for each and every single opportunity to pay the Giants a free kick in that last quarter, especially. And uh, look, he got it. So yeah, again, while we're disappointed, any sort of threats towards players is absolutely ridiculous. You know, if that was Essendon fans. I would hope the club would identify them and potentially take their membership on them often because, you know, we don't need that sort of behaviour around the club. Uh, as disappointed as we are, we love footy and uh, it should never be, you know, something that, you know, people just want to be vigilantes and, and take the law into their own hands and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on it. But look, well, let's let's have a look at the, the quarters, James. Look, it was a very scrappy game. In that first quarter, there neither side was able to, you know, play clean with that greasy footy. Like there were some good efforts that play from McKenna, who tackled Shaw on the wing there, and got the ball going forward. Hit up Stewart uh, on the lead, which is a nice bit of play. And then, like leading from that, we got into our forward line, and that's where Townsend got absolutely crunched by Shaw. Uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy to see. And um, yeah, I mean, like while I guess it was fair. Um, he did get him high at the end of the day, and we've seen many of those paid free kicks, but that was that was okayed by the AFL. Yeah, I think uh, the re- the reason why the free kick wasn't paid was because Heath Shaw actually had the footy, um, and I think Townsend got him pretty low. Like Townsend actually came in low, so it was just unfortunate that um, yeah, it was a mixture of combination where they. You know, he sure certainly didn't play with the intent to hurt Townsend. It was just a solid hit and a misfortune for Townsend to actually have to miss the rest of the game. And you know, he did look like he'd been knocked into the middle of next week, didn't he? Yeah, he did, the poor bloke. So he took no further part in the game. Uh, and he, he just looked shattered on the bench. And this is, a, I suppose, a tough thing because we're not at the game, can't actually see what's going on. It didn't look like there was anyone next to Towner, like on the bench, just, you know, give him a pat on the shoulder going, oh, you know, hard luck, mate. You know, we'll look forward to when you get back because he looked very lonely on the bench there. So uh, let's hope the boys get around him, you know, over the next couple of weeks. I dare say he'll miss at least the next game, uh, if not the next two, just as a precautionary measure because uh, concussion is a, is a very serious thing. We wouldn't want to bring someone back a bit early if it's uh, going to exacerbate the problem a bit later. Yeah, particularly when we're playing um, two games in a week, basically. So we're playing Wednesday and then Saturday. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd imagine he'd miss both of those because, as you said, concussion's treated very seriously. Um, and, yeah, I, I think for Towner, he'll, he'll need to have those couple of weeks off just to clear himself and shake off the cobwebs. Yeah, that first quarter was uh, not inspiring, but in some ways I did get something out of it because I just felt that um, you know we didn't allow the Giants just to walk in and against the Bulldogs and the Lions, we were made to look pretty second-rate early. And, um, yeah, I liked that we didn't allow them to score. Like, obviously, we'd like to score ourselves, but at quarter time I was comfortable with the scoreline, even though it was only two points each at... It's a strange scoreline. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, and just before we go to the second, I just wanted to mention that tackle from Zerk Thatcher on Whitfield was absolutely massive, um, reminiscent of 
Paddy Ambrose on Brad Hill all those years ago where he, I think, you know, the Q Raiders are actually still trying to dig a uh, Brad Hill-sized patch out of the dirt. But, um, yeah, so that was a massive hit from Zerk Thatcher. Uh, and you're right, like, while it wasn't pretty footy, if someone had said to us, you know, you'll be equal score with GWS at quarter time, you probably would have taken that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yep, no doubt. So if we go into the second quarter, um, you know, some some of these calls from the umpires really just bemusing. Like McGrath got called holding the man on Hopper when Hopper actually had the footy in his hand. So I don't understand how that sort of works. Like maybe hold on to him just before he got the footy, but if the bloke's got the footy... Well, you know, it should be um, holding the ball if you can't get rid of it. But look, finally we we got a we got a goal, uh, and that was just after GWS's. But yeah, fortunately, uh, Zaharakis kicked the goal. And look, after that, there was that funny bit of play where Zerk Thatcher launched high at the footy, and he came down hard on his head. And I thought, oh shit, we're gonna we're gonna lose this bloke as well as like as well as Townsend. But look, he he got back up and. Uh, competed well, so hopefully he pulls up well over the week because certainly wouldn't like to see him missing games. No, that was a really hard hit, and he he did bring it on himself because he just dived, um, you know, flew for a ball that obviously didn't make uh, contact with, but yeah, he hit the ground hard. But he's a tough cookie because uh, it was pretty quickly after that the ball was in his hands and he had to clear have a clearing kick. So um, yeah, he must he's obviously made a tough stuff and got through uh, the match, as you mentioned. Yeah, like a little while after that, there was a great mark and goal from Langford to get our second. Uh, that was a absolute class goal. And then there was that fantastic bit of play on the wing there with um, McKenna, like he tapped it forward to Guelphy, who hit Langford perfectly, and Langford slotted it from a tight angle, about 40 metres out. It was an absolutely beautiful goal. And that's the sort of play I think uh, Carousella's trying to bring into the club, that sort of run and gun, get it Get it forward at all costs. Uh, you don't need to get the possessions to get the ball going forward. If it's a tap, that's just as good. So it was a good bit of smart play there from McKenna. And uh, one thing we did do good in that second quarter was, you know, obviously Tipper hasn't been, you know, in, in fantastic form of late. But we actually moved Tipper into the middle early. And I'd, I quite like that move. You know, he's throwing his body around and he actually seemed to get a little more into the game. And I think he he does enjoy throwing his body around a bit more now, which is good to see. But um, yeah, what did you think about that about that move, Jane? Yeah, I liked it. As you said, I think in the last few weeks, it's been happening a bit too late in the game. So he's been sitting on like one or two possessions, and then you know in the last quarter they've been throwing him on the ball or late in the third, and it's, and like he's not going to gain much confidence from that. So. It was pleasing to see it happen a bit earlier. I think he benefited from that because uh, he kicked the goal shortly afterwards. Yeah, he did. Um, it was a good bit of play. Like Leading up to it, Langford got completely taken out of the contest, you know, and we got nothing. Um, but then Tipper got taken down by Shaw, and that, foot, that free kick was paid, and that's where Tipper slotted it. So, you know, that goal got us three goals up. But, like, sort of disappointingly, I don't know where Redmond's at. At the moment, James, I mean, in that first quarter, he just kept bombing it long and, you know, GWS kept lapping it up. And then in that second quarter, Redmond gave away a really obvious free kick to Kelly, 
and he was only 25 metres out, and we were lucky that Cali didn't get that goal. So, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with Redmond. Like, I really rate him as a player, but you know, the last few weeks he's um, he's been pretty poor, if I'm quite honest. Well, you mentioned last week it was a strange decision to put him on Charlie Cameron early last um, against the Lions, and he looks completely at sea in the con- in the contest, and he just gets too nervous and. And that was an obvious free kick to Kelly, and we we're very lucky because Kelly's a classy player, and I would have thought he would have kicked that, but you know, we were let off the leash a bit, and I just hope the club's coaching him on the contested side of the footy, but also not putting him in the position where he has to be doing that in real game time, and that's why we've been calling for him to be a, a bit more played on the wing, or even given a run-up forward to try and... Uh, because his kicking is quite good. But, um, yeah, he's a player that, at the moment, I, I don't feel very confident at all when it's a contested ball, uh, especially when the ball's coming up in a marking contest. Yeah, so oh, look, hopefully he can get his form back again. I think he's a, I think he can be a real gun of a player, uh, but obviously just quite down on confidence. So uh, hopefully the guys get around him as well and get his confidence back up. But, look, um, you know, Shield. Uh, you know, he didn't have a fantastic game, but I really love that play where he, he pinged a bloke for holding the ball and he was, he was just outside 50. Um, and I was sitting there going, oh, have a shot, mate. And he bloody well did. And he kicked it through to have us up by four goals. And like he would have kicked that from, you know, 55, 60 or so. Just a, a booming uh, kick. And that's the sort of stuff we want from Shield. We know he can be, you know, a bit gun shy in front of goal. So I was glad that he, he took the shot and. It was a ripper. Like, I had us up by four goals. And then, you know, not long after, he had that run on the wing there where he sold a bit of candy uh, and then ran up the wing, took a couple of bounces. And it was a bit of a shame, like, because he got it off to Tipper. And Tipper's, a, you know, usually a really good kick of the footy. But his entry inside 50 was a bit cute to McKenna. Uh, he just tried to pop it over the top of the defender. But GWS just slung it out. And that would have really hurt GWS if we got a goal from that. But then, you know, not long after, you know, McKenna, the forward. Uh, so we outbodied Shaw, which is a pretty big effort in itself. Like, Shaw's a really smart footy player. So when he outbodied him and he got back up and he snapped it through on his left, it was just a, a really great bit of play. Oh, definitely. And, um, yeah, he sure had got the goal previous to that, the EWS's uh, goal. And, yeah, almost immediately it went down our, our end and yeah, McKenna made Shaw pay. So he kind of squared the ledger and... Yeah, you know, let's be honest, um, McKenna didn't do a lot in the game. I think he had very low possessions, maybe four or five possessions, was, was it? Uh, so, yeah, McKenna, yeah, he ended up with a four possessions. Yeah, but he, a couple of things he did for a four-possession game, he seemed to be more noticeable than that, and um, we'll talk about it a bit later. It was probably the stuff that he did defensively that wasn't good, like giving away some free kicks and 50-metre penalties. And to me... Uh, there seems to be a bit of a struggle with the Bomber coaching group and Connor. Connor's basically said, I want to play forward. Um, obviously, he's been mentioning about the homesickness and so forth. So I think the club's bowed to Connor's requests and let him play forward. But yeah, I don't know how long he'll be doing it if he's <laughs> going to get four possessions a game. Yeah, well, in saying that, you know, our, our entries inside 50 were, were pretty rubbish. So it uh, definitely doesn't help you when you're trying to be a forward and 
yeah, we'll talk a bit later about the stats there. And like we didn't get many forward entries, so yeah, I think there's a a bit of yes, Conor McKenna, Conor McKenna has to get more of the footy, but equally, we really need to work on our entries inside forward fifty. Yeah, but look, you know, we had a twenty-two point lead by half time, and that was uh, looking pretty good. And then that third quarter, we, you know, we stretched it out a bit. You know, there was that beautiful kick inside fifty that hit Sammy Draper, and uh, you know, he's got a funny old run up run up drapes but um he slotted the goal it was absolutely brilliant you know he was he was pumped you know all the boys got around him uh, it was fantastic to see so he's obviously a very popular player at the club oh he showed a lot of emotion and and why not he kicked his first goal in afl but yeah i love the emotion coming out of the young bloke and you could see how much the players must enjoy him being in the side they all flock to him basically and yeah Oh, I think he's been very impressive, and that was a great kick, uh, despite a funny run-up, as you say. Yeah, and there was there was some more good play in that quarter. Like that was an excellent kick by Langford to draw McKerner to the footy. Like so often when we're going inside fifty, we either bomb it on someone's head or you know it's a kick and hope. But Langford was really smart with his entry. He kicked the ball into space and made McKernan lead to it. And while McKernan's kick. Uh, fell short. I liked Snelling's work uh, to get it to Langford, and Langford's shot missed. But I did like how how he tried to get dangerous and was involved in those couple of bits of play there, which I think is uh, really good for him. And we had another couple of entries. So one of them, like where Francis, really should have made more of that kick inside fifty. There were two players basically on their own, and he absolutely minced it. It's like he got stuck in two minds and just grubbed it along the ground. And then, you know, a bit later, you know, the ball was sort of bobbling about and Draper picked it up outside 50 and he had a ping. Uh, he's got a good leg on him, uh, nearly dobbed it, but uh, didn't get it, unfortunately. But, I mean, you know, we look at that third quarter and it's, uh, you know, the story of what could have been because we were up by 29 points at, uh, what was it, like the 12-minute mark of that third quarter. Uh, but we sort of kept the door open for GWS to come back. Yeah, and it was some you know, mistakes in the back line that cost us a little bit and you know, Jeremy Finlayson Finlayson's goal um springs to mind and you know, and then Harry Himmelberg he he got a goal and that was after a Kyle Langford miss on the opposite pocket, um, down our end. And Kyle you know, shanked and kicked it out of bounds on the floor and Himmelberg was classy enough to finish the goal. And it's, as you say, it's a sliding door kind of moment. You know, you would have thought if we maybe had got another goal, who knows what that does to the psyche of players. But, yeah, it wasn't to be. And, yeah, unfortunately, that third quarter, it was a bit of an arm wrestle still, but the Giants came out on top and they kicked uh, two goals to our one. So it wasn't like it was uh, all dominant to them. But, um yeah, we still held a 16-point lead uh, going into the last quarter. Yeah, but then, you know, open up the fourth and the Giants got that first goal through Cameron. So it was only 10 points in it. And then we took it down our end and it's a shame Tipper missed that goal. I mean, he was he was running in maybe about 40 metres out. Looked pretty open. You know, 9 out of 10 times he'd kick that. Uh, and that would have really hurt the Giants. Um, but then, you know, we got undisciplined and... While it was undisciplined from McKenna against Shaw, I still think it was a bit of a rubbish 50. There wasn't much in that. 
but the umps were looking for any freeze of the Giants and certainly Shaw got his second goal and I'm sure he was chirping up to McKenna saying, oh, you've got one goal, I've got two. You, know, you can't give players like that confidence because they'll run all over you and we just saw that's exactly what happened. But look, for, for the Bombers, Draper was absolutely brilliant. There was that play on the wing there where he bumped his man and you know was able to grab the footy and dish it out to get it going forward for us again. It was fantastic agility from, from Draper. And I'm really liking his work. You know, he's got a massive leap on him. You know, there was a couple of times there where he just slept too early in the contest. But you sort of look at him and go, Jesus, mate, like he's jumping out of his boots. And, uh, you know, and then to have the agility on the ground to, to get the footy like that, uh, he just looks like an absolute gun. Yeah, he's exciting. Um, I just want to go back to that Connor McKenna 50. It was undisciplined by Connor. Um, that's probably the thing that frustrated me. In a tight game, uh, he's got to think better than that. And I think it was a bit of frustration overspill from, you know, only you know, a couple of minutes before that or even a minute before that. Uh, there was a play where he sure it was a free kick to us, but we took the advantage and he sure was basically, you know, dragging Connor to the ground and you know, if it hadn't have been advantage, if it hadn't have been paid, it possibly could have been a fifty meter our way. And I think Connor was frustrated from that and wanted to make uh, he sure hurt, but it was a really costly mistake. And you know, I'm sure the club will speak to Connor about that one. But yeah, um, yeah, I was very nervous in that last quarter. You know, uh, Jerry Jeremy Cameron, um, he hadn't. Yeah, you know, we were saying uh, when we spoke at three-quarter time, you know, Frank had done a pretty good job, you know. <laughs> I think he kept him goalless up to that point, but then Cameron was pretty important at last. He got a, um, a goal and he set up one, and uh, Francis was starting to look a bit suspect on Jeremy. Did you agree with that? I agree, but, you know, we'd played a pretty good defensive structure up until that point. But it's like all over the ground, we panicked in that fourth quarter. There wasn't that system of defence. And I think one of the reasons for that was with Ridley going out of the game, you know, a bit earlier, you know, he, he copped one and looked to be suffering some issues with his ribs or his shoulder. As soon as he went out, our structure down back really suffered. So, yeah, and I think that, that really hurt Francis because, you know, up until that point, they were... They were playing playing really well as a defensive unit, yeah. But as as soon as um, you know we unleashed the shackles, um, Jeremy Cameron started to you know make us pay because he is a, a really clever player, and you know not only that, so defensively we lost our structures, but uh, down forward there's some questionable, um, I suppose, um, I don't know mindset by the players like we mentioned before, like Tipper had that shot on goal. And he really should have kicked it. He was in a good angle for him. Uh, it's not like the distance was testing him, but he kicked it to McKernan, who we know has been out of form, and we missed the goal. So, look, we, we lose the goal by four points in the end and had the chance to, to kick one and just just didn't. And, look, there was a, a few decisions that obviously didn't go away. Another one of those was that deliberate call on Shield, you know, where he, he uh, looped a handball over his shoulders you know, there were two Essendon players in the vicinity. 
but they just called it and I could see why they might have but I still think it was a pretty rough call but look you know you got to play to the whistle and you know while the umpiring decisions were, were disappointing we just weren't good enough at the end of the day and we we sort of dropped our bundle under pressure and here we are you know sitting at five and four now and like really back in the pack yeah it was gut-wrenching to lose this one especially you know even at three-quarter time with 16 points in front the rain was starting to come down you know that's a game you should win Uh, i don't think many times this season the team trailing at three-quarter times come back and won so yes we were a man down for most of the match with townsend going off pretty early but uh yeah it was just yeah, very disappointing. Um, you know, we talked about the Cullen Ward decision, and yes, he put Mayo on it. And um, you know, in general, I think the umpires shafted us again, which is nothing new. But uh, the Adam Sard goal was impressive. I wanted to touch on. Uh, you know, even though it came a bit too late, it was a pretty impressive kick by Adam Sard. And again, I just felt we went into our shell for too long. We tried to hold the victory in terms of holding the lead. And um, we forgot about taking brave decisions and, you know, hitting up players, trying to penetrate through their defence, you know, boldly. And as a result, and I was more frustrated, especially in that last quarter, the amount of times Devin Smith was the man kicking out. You know, he's not a long kick of the footy by any stretch. By any stretch and, you know, that ball was continually on the 50-metre line, you know, being punched out and GWS's weighted numbers around the ball were a bit more stronger than ours and they got the result. So, uh, again, uh, you know, my final appraisal of the game is that when we played bravely, we managed to kick six goals in a quarter, but in the other three quarters, we've kicked two goals and, you know, it really hits home for me and it's quite sombering yeah it is mate and look it's while it's a missed opportunity for us i think we should also be honest in our appraisal of the game in that we didn't play very well but gws didn't play well either they had you know one good quarter of footy and we had one in the second quarter but if i'm honest with you if we played like that against a side that's up and about we've got it pumped so i guess we were fortunate that gws weren't playing well in the night to even be in that game. But even with that, we, we dropped a, an opportunity we should have taken. Uh, so, look, we got some some really tough you know, contests coming up. You know, St Kilda, Gold Coast, and like it sounds strange for those to be tough games for us, but they, they are. Um, I just don't have trust in, in our game plan or our, our players' ability to stay mentally focused for four quarters. Uh, for those games uh, and then after that we've got Richmond in the uh, Dreamtime match in the Northern Territory so there are no gimmies so to drop that game when we were basically five goals up in the third quarter yep again disappointing yeah I'm just looking at some of the teams we haven't played yet Port Richmond Geelong West Coast um, you know basically you're playing the top four sides apart from Brisbane who have already played. Um, yeah, I, I think yesterday's game was... Well, sorry, on Friday night's game was probably the one that, um, you know, we may rue and 
I don't think finals is really in our pitches now. I think we've missed our opportunity, but who's to say if we get some guns back and we're able to do it, I'll be very impressed from here because five and four, which sounds like a winning record at this stage, uh, when you look at who you've got to play, it doesn't look like it's going to be a winning season for the Bombers. And I just want to touch on a story by uh, Sam Landsberger, I think it is, from the Herald Sun. And uh, he was talking to Rob Harding, our former analyst, match analyst. And um, there was a bit of an appraisal done on Essendon's game plan. And they basically, Rob was basically saying that Essendon um, are a confused football club. And the players are disappointed and you know, some of the coaches were as well of the change in formula when Ben Rutten arrived and says that you know, we, were, we were trajected much further um, up back in 2018 than we are now. And we're basically you know, heading to a rebuilding phase. So uh, that's pretty disappointing after 20 years since our last premiership. You, know, you hate to hear the words rebuilding, but... Um, yeah, he thinks there's a bit of a split at the club. And in the same article, which I found surprising, uh, mentioned that Dan Richardson was fighting to keep his job as the um, general manager of football. And you know, Dan Richardson hasn't been at the club that long and he's delivered us Ben Rutten and Blake Carousella. But yeah, if he's in the gun, it says there's a bit of a divide at the club despite what we've been told that Everything's hunky dory down there, and you know we've got a great program where everyone's on board. But we must also say that Rob Harding was let go by the club, so there might be a little bit of uh, angst there as well. But if he's prepared to put it in a big uh, newspaper, uh, he he would know he was going to be quoted. Uh, there might be some truth to it all. So yeah, what do you think of that report, mate? Oh, uh, I mean. Like everything, you, you take it with a grain of salt. But in saying that, like the way we've been playing the last three years, like we'll have some good games and then we'll go completely into our shells. And, you know, <laughs> you see it on Blitz all the time. There's something not right with the club. Uh, and I would I would agree with that, like just based on the performances we're seeing and things like that. Because it's like we're we're stuck in no man's land in that we've got some really talented blokes at the club, but you know our attitude on the park is pretty mediocre. If I'm honest with you, mate, we don't have that that hard edge that strong sides have. In that, look, if you're not performing, you're not playing for us. Whereas we've got a, a view: oh, if you're not playing well, but you're a senior player, we'll still play you. Uh, but if you're a junior player that's had an all right game but not a fantastic game, you'll probably get dropped. Like so, younger players they'd be disillusioned, saying, "Geez, I'm I'm playing much better than these older players, and I'm the one that gets dropped for it." So, like, there's that side of it. I mean, the whole thing with Richo, I I find that a little bit surprising because you know he he seems like a real realist. Uh, when you hear him talk, he doesn't pump up our tires of chances to win premierships and stuff like that in the next couple of years. He's He's obviously been through this process with Richmond previously where they didn't have a uh, success for a, a long period of time and then they built a list, they built a program. They stuck with that program and uh, backed it into 
you know, at the end of the day, uh, achieved some great success. And he has been able to bring Truck Rutten to the club, uh, Blake Carousella, and, uh, you know, some some real good systems. And I, you know, I just get uh, a bit worried about what, what else is happening internally because really it doesn't seem like anyone's aligned. You know, while Xavier... Uh, seems like a fantastic CEO of the club. He does everything to make us look strong off the park. We've just got no one there to to really, you know, make the standard on the park. So there might be something to it, but um, yeah, who knows? And the, I guess the unfortunate thing is we've seen for a long period of time is the club's not going to be honest with us. Um, they keep saying, "Oh no, we're looking really good. We're we're building. We're you know doing this, that, and the other." And as much as I try not to do it, mate, every single year they keep saying, oh, no, we're going to be much better than last year. And I, I come into the season full of hope and uh, excitement. And then they serve up the same old rubbish they have been uh, for the last few years. So, um, look, I guess the only saving grace is when you look at the Essendon Footy Club, we've got some really talented kids, you know, 24 years of age and younger. You know, you look at your, your Ridley's, your Kyles and uh, Draper, all these guys who are so young and have so much excitement and stuff like that around the footy, that's fantastic to see, but it's just unfortunate that our our legends that have been such champions for us, your hookers, Hurleys, um, and even, you probably have to say, Heppel, I don't think they will see success um, at Essendon during their time, which is uh, really disappointing. Yeah, I just wanted to quote... Um... Rob Harding, just a quote that he was asked, will a new template fit at Essendon, the current one that's being used? Harding wasn't sure. If they're trying to build a Richmond profile list, they need elite runners, which they don't have. Like the Tigers, the Bombers appear to have swayed from prioritising inside bulls in their midfield to outside class. But their list was crafted when James Hurd, Mark Thompson and Brendan McCarthy were coaching and they preferred contested beasts. Suddenly, 190cm inside midfielder Kyle Langford is isolated on the outside of the contract, and also out of contract, which which should the Bombers' brains trust focus their attention on first? The inside midfielder, or will they hunt elite, uh, elite runners? Fixing the team's balance to play sustainable football, half-brand of football, is... Sorry, hard brand of football is the biggest priority Essendon has right now, Harding said. So it's a bit concerning that um, you know, you know, all through John Worsfold's tenure, we've been told be patient. You know, we're unlearning, we're learning new system. Now we're hearing we're learning another system again. Like to me, learning is something that will happen every day of your life. You know, every day. You know, in any football club and even in a workplace where you've worked for 20 years, you're still learning. And um, <laughs> I don't know how long we've got to stomach that, you know, before we actually start seeing some results. So sounds like Johnny Walsfold's on Freo's radar. And, um, you know, I think John, as I said, he came to the club at the lowest ebb and he certainly helped us get out of that period. But I'm hoping... Ben Rutten will grow further when John's left the club and he actually has the reins and we see 
a little bit more of just him. And I'm getting a little bit sick of listening to John Walsfold after press conferences, to be honest, because he's so uh, unemotional. He seems uninvested in the club. I'd much rather see Rutten get up there a couple of times and at least give us a preview of how he's feeling because, you know, Walsfold just plays a straight bat every time. Yeah, and, you know, with Worsfold, I'm not sure what he does down there because every time the reporters ask him, did you see X, Y, or Z, he hasn't seen it. So um, that's a that's another disappointing thing. I'll understand if you don't want to comment on something, but to flat out say I didn't see it, it's, I don't know. I just want to see someone with a, uh, a bit of heart because John Worsfold, like, while he was, he's good during that, period we were down and out you know we we need someone who can lift us back up again and certainly he doesn't inspire me as an Essendon fan to think that bloke's the the one who's going to take us forward so let's hope Ben Rutten you know actually get some time in front of the the press soon because this shouldn't be a wasted opportunity in that he just hands that over to you know Worsfold throughout the remainder of this season and then he has to learn that uh, over next year so Let's just hope, mate, this, this system we're learning for the you know, umpteenth time uh, is actually building towards something because I don't, I don't think it's going to happen this year. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, let's put that one in the books and we'll come back and we'll discuss our Don's Cast medal votes. Listen to Don's Cast, and our time now is for our uh, Don's Cast medal votes, mate. Why don't you go first? Yeah, no worries. So it was another tough one uh, this time around. A little easier than it has been in previous weeks, but uh, look for the one vote. I've gone with Sammy Draper. I thought he uh, contested well all game. His leap at the footy was brilliant. His um, you know willingness to get involved in the contest was was fantastic. He kicked a goal. And, you know, even, you know, looking at his stats, he's he's done pretty well. So the 13 disposals, uh, you know, two shots in goal, that's right, because he, he missed that one from 50. You know, 16 tap-outs and six clearances. So I reckon a great effort uh, from Draper in his second game of footy. So looking forward for many, many games to come. Two votes I gave to Sardi. Yeah, I thought, like, while he didn't have a, uh, a massive game, he was still pretty bloody good. You know, he got 20 disposals, kicked that goal at the death there, had three clearances, and 758 metres gained. So, as that, you know, half-backman to give us plenty of run, he has certainly done his job there, so two votes to Sadi. Uh, three votes I gave to Hurley. I thought he had a very solid game for us and was really important. Uh, you know, he had 23 disposals, eight marks, which was very important in our back line there. And, yeah, 379 metres gained for us. So I thought it was a really uh, good game from Hurley. You just saw him. I think he does structure us up so well there. And the young blokes are definitely learning a lot from him. So another good game from Hurls. Um, Andy McGrath gave the four votes. Look, while he wasn't, I suppose, making massive plays and, you know, and racking up a million possessions, his effort is uh, unquestionable. And so at the end of the day, he had 18 disposals, eight tackles, very importantly. 
which was massive and uh yeah four clearances which i thought was really important and you know 217 meters gained uh from his efforts so that was just a fantastic you know effort from him even if he's not having an outstanding game himself he doesn't die wondering he will get involved in any situation he can and i thought he did quite well but the five votes had to go with zach Merritt. uh 33 disposals uh five marks three clearances uh, and 658 metres gained at the end of the day. Uh, he was just everywhere. So, um, yeah, good game from Zach. I'm just going to take the opportunity now, James, because I forgot to do it uh, previously, just to go through um, some of the stats you know, from the team. The big one for me is tackles. So we only made 44 tackles you know, in this game against GWS's 55. You know, most other stats throughout the game were, were pretty equal, like disposals and, and all the rest of it. But to drop, you know, at least 10 tackles, and mind you, we've been averaging about 60-odd uh, throughout the season. So we've dropped, you know, 15 tackles there and given them a lot more, uh, which is really poor. But really importantly, for tackles inside 50, GWS had 22, and we only laid four. So that says a lot to me about our pressure around the footy. And even when you look at one percenters, you know, GWS are recorded at 59, we were recorded at 44. So that just tells you, like, even GWS didn't play a massive game of footy, they still wanted it more. And, you know, they got the chocolates in the end, so I think that really showed. But anyway, in terms of the votes, mate, how did you see it? Well, I gave uh, one vote to Andy McGrath. I thought, uh, of the 44 tackles you mentioned, he was uh, the highest... Tackle winner with eight. So uh, when you think there's only 36 shared between the other 21 players in our list, obviously he didn't do a lot with the ball in terms of a lot of his kicks were under pressure and didn't hit up anyone. So that's probably why I've judged him a bit harsher in terms of not being able to use the footy as much as I'd like. But he's certainly he's an effort-based player and he's a great player and building to be... Uh, a real leader for the club, so one vote there. I gave two votes to Jordan Ridley. He used the ball pretty well, but I noticed this in this game, a lot of his kicks are really short. Again, he, he's such a good kick, but a lot of his kicks were under pressure, and that's because more and more teams are you know, putting a lot of contested pressure on him to try and uh, you know, nullify that great kicking of his, so... Uh, it was disappointing to see him get injured some point during that game in the last quarter, but hopefully it's not a, a bad injury and he, he'll be right for us. Maybe not Wednesday's game, but at least Saturday. So two to Ridley. I gave three to Mick Hurley. I thought he was really good on the night. He um, he is a calm head down there, and with no Kale Hooker and Paddy Ambrose, we really need one of those guys. He's he's a general, and um, yeah, I thought he was he had a good game on the night. We gave Fort Adam Sard. I thought his effort and run was really important. He he kicked uh, like uh, sorry that's seven hundred meters gained. Uh, now a lot of people don't understand that stat, but that is massive seven hundred in a shortened game. You know, that's uh, elite is, yeah, you're getting up into the 600s, but 700 is massive. So when he's getting the ball, he's absolutely thumping the ball. And, you know, 
would love to see a few more um, goals out of him. Uh, that last quarter goal that he kicked, gee, he hit it flush and it was a beautiful kick and there was only four seconds left when he did it. But, gee, if I uh, imagine that was the match winner or something like that, that would have been a magic um, magic piece of play. So, yeah, Sadi has had a great year. But, yeah, I agree with you. Zach Merritt was uh, best on ground for us. He found the footy. Probably a little bit disappointing in the last. He, I think he only found the ball a couple of times. And I guess the other thing to say with that is that with the opposition really putting a lot of time and effort into Dylan Shield, this is where I think Zach can become really dangerous for us. And maybe by playing this well as he is now, that um, that might buy Dylan Shield some time because uh, at the moment he's wearing the main tag, it seems. But, um, yeah, Zach Merritt, good game for him. And, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see where our votes sit after our ninth match. Yeah, mate. So if I go from the bottom there, so one vote to Tommy Cutler, two to Smack, three each to Townsend, Laverde, Bellchambers, Hooker and Parrish, five each to Draper and Zaharakis and, and Phillips, seven to Hurley, nine to Jakey Stringer, 11 to Smith, 13 to Langford, 26 to Shield, 27 to Merritt, and on top we've got a, a tie for the top three. On 48 is Saad, Ridley and McGrath. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you think we'd structured it that way, mate. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting, but there's still a number of rounds left. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to see the vote shared a bit more, to be honest. I, you know, I think... That might be part of our problem. We're, we're relying on the same players to, to get us up. It would be great to see some of those uh, lesser-known types starting to climb the rankings through their good play. So um, let's look for that in the you know, second half of this year or the second half of this season, shortened season. Um, all right, well, why don't we have a break and we'll go by the numbers. Anything more you want to add before there, mate? No, mate. No. Yeah, I agree with you. It'd be good to get a bit more uh, to share the love a bit in terms of who's who's carrying the team because certainly Saad, Ridley, and McGrath have been the standouts all season. So uh, yeah, let's hope the rest of the boys uh, lift and and get around them to you know at least finish off the season well, even if it doesn't mean we're finals bound. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll have a break, and after the break, we'll do our regular feature of by the numbers. You're listening to Don's Cast and our regular feature where we go player by player with a review of their performance in our eyes. We start with Andy McGrath. Yeah, mate. Um, yeah, both gave him votes. He's a he's a ripper player. Uh, had another really solid game uh, and to lay the eight tackles when the whole team only laid the the forty odd. Um, you know, he's basically got a fifth of the whole tackle number. So uh, fantastic. So and it's great to see that. Even when he's not having a massive game in terms of his disposals or his impact, he still gets involved. So, um, yeah, another great game from him. Yeah, just I'd love to see him get a little bit more time because I think he's a better kick than he's showing. I, I think a lot of his kicks are under enormous pressure, and that's because he wins the ball in the contest the majority of the time. 
But uh, I think you know, part of his development is going to be uh, trying to get by himself a bit more time, trying to get some space and using the footy. Uh, and if he can start doing that, especially generating forward scores for us, uh, that'll see you know, a great growth in his match, uh, match play. Uh, the next player is Darcy Parrish. Uh, he's a bit quieter in the night, I thought. I think he had 13 possessions, but uh, I really didn't notice a lot of him, especially in that second half. Yeah, you're right, Jamie. He was a bit down on the night. Um, had a shot at goal, missed, unfortunately. But um, look, again, he won't die wondering in terms of uh, effort. His impact was down. Uh, he definitely wasn't as vis- visible as he has been in previous games, but he laid the five tackles, uh, had four clearances, so he's really in and under the packs. 168 metres gained from his disposal, so not a huge you know, impact on the game, but um, he'll, he'll be better for the run. He's getting more opportunity in the midfield, and he'll continue to develop, continue to develop in that role, uh, but just not a massive game from this time around. Yeah, I didn't think he got as much midfield time as he probably should have in the game, especially on a wet night, especially late in the game. I would have liked to have seen him bit more in the middle when the game is on the line because he's got really good hands we've mentioned below his knees and so forth and you know when Tipper was in there I think he would have really enjoyed having Darcy in there to, to kind of give him a relief um, in terms of you know Parrish winning the, the hard ball and then giving it off to AMT so yeah I just hope the club starts to settle him down a bit I, I know it's hard when you've got Shield and McGrath and uh, Merritt, uh, in majority playing there. But Merritt in the night was sent to the wing a fair bit, I noticed, and he was still finding plenty of footy. But I just didn't see Parrish in there as much as I'd like. So hopefully um, yeah, he'll win more minutes as the season goes on. Uh, next player was Kyle Langford. He kicked two goals in the night. Uh, didn't have a lot of possessions, just the 11. And um, Apart from that, Snap that I would have loved to have seen him dob, and it was a tough kick. Uh, again, he was largely unsighted, especially in that second half. Yeah, he was, and look, those two goals were absolute class. I was tempted to, you know, sling him a vote, but as you say, he was largely unsighted throughout the game, and I would have liked to have seen him either get involved in the midfield or at least, you know, play up on the sort of half-forward line there to get involved a bit more in the play because he's such a classy user of the footy like that. That beautiful kick he made to McKernan to make him lead at the footy was absolutely brilliant. But yeah, apart from that, uh, he's, it's like he, I don't know, he just wasn't wasn't up and about ready to play. So, But he'll he'll be better for the run. He's a, he's a classy player and... Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to him really hitting his traps because those, those two goals were absolutely clutch. So what he did do with the footy was was class. Uh, he just needs to get more of it and to get involved in the in the play more. Yeah, I think with Townsend going out, um, you know, obviously concussed, I think that forced Langford to be played in the forward line because we lost that mid-range player to be a you know, lead-up forward or a player that could um, threaten to kick a goal and... Langford's such a beautiful kick. You, you know, you're pretty confident most times he's got a set shot for goal. Um, so, yeah, I've been happy with Kyle Langford's season. Um, as mentioned in that article, 
he is out of contract, so hopefully uh, Kyle will sign on and you know, we can see more of Kyle's games in the years ahead. The next player is Devin Smith and um, you know, he's always having a go and you know, doing his best, but um, again, it, his kicking is limited in terms of how far a distance and I just felt he he was getting a lot of possessions uh, from the kick out bit too many for my liking uh how did you see his game yeah i guess it's mostly like the the season he's had so far james in that yeah he's trying hard but just hasn't been able to have much impact really so he had the 18 disposals at the end of the day uh 322 meters gained but as you say like you know at least five six of those kicks he had were from the um you know goal square uh, where he's kicking it out, so that really doesn't tell the story of how much um, impact he's had on the game. Uh, he did have four tackles, though, and made three clearances, so he's had a okay game, but uh, you couldn't say it was anything more than average, if I'm quite honest with you. Yeah, as I said, he had a lot of... Yeah, he had two knee surgeries, and he hasn't had the great, greatest preparation even with this COVID season. Uh, so I'm, I think he'll definitely get better from next year onwards. But currently it uh, just hasn't seemed like he's gelled and he's not his usual self. He, you know, that 2018 year where he had such a great one, he was constantly getting um, eight or nine tackles a game. And you know, this year he's been... You know, well down on that, usually about three or four tackles a game. So, again, it just shows he's a fraction off his step. Um, how much is that fitness-based? You know, how much is it is the condensed season where he's not, um, you know, you're not getting the recovery time that you might wish? I'm not sure what it is, but uh, I still have confidence that he will um, come back to his normal self, you know, maybe a little bit later in the season or even next year onwards. Uh, next player we gave best on, uh, Zach Merritt. He played a really good game. Yeah, he did. As we said before, the 33 disposals. Um, only the one tackle he's recorded as having, but uh, three clearances and that 658 metres gained. So another really great game from Zach, and um, it's good to see him. Uh, playing good footy, so hopefully he can stay consistent. He sort of had up and down games the last few weeks. So um, now that another great game from Zach, but uh, yeah, what did you have to add, mate? I just liked the way that he was kicking a bit more than he had, and um, you know I think that's been one of the knocks. He's at his best. He's probably one of our best kicks, you know, along with Ridley. But um, I felt he's been handballing a lot of the balls or his kicking hasn't been that um you know that smooth to be honest so i think that was a real return of um him generating a bit more you know a bit more use out of his possession rate and uh yeah i think he'll be really important and we need him in good form especially when we come up against those good sides because he's such an important player for us in uh He's probably the best kick out of the McGrath Shield and um, and himself combo where they they play a majority of the time on the ball, and I, I think if you had to pick one of those three to kick a forward entry, you'd probably pick Zach Merritt. 
So we want him to get the ball in his hands. So let's hope he builds some confidence. Um, and I think in the coaches' votes, he uh, he got nine out of a possible ten. So that means even you know Leon Cameron rated his performance very highly. Uh, the next player was Dylan Shield. A little bit down on the night, the 15 possessions. I loved his goal. That was a brilliant kick from outside 50. Um, and there was another player on the wing there where he you know, had a bit of a run and a bounce and he drew a player and released it to AMT. And it, that was a really nice piece of play. But unfortunately, um, Wallow just missed the target from the kick. But yeah, he just hasn't been able to get back to the start of the year where he had such a promising start. Uh, he's really struggling to find a footy to the high rate that he usually does and yeah, just 15 possessions on the night. Yeah, and like I think he's still... He really misses having another bigger midfield in there. Like to play that that big-bodied midfielder role in there, it's, I don't think it's a role he's, he's really uh, suited... To play, he's more of an outside midfielder, like to use that burst run he's got. But unfortunately, because of the, I suppose, the small midfield we're running with right now, uh, he's it in terms of our our big body in there. So he's really missing a stringer or a, or a heppel to help him in there. So it was, look, really pretty average game from, from Shear. Like that goal was great. The 15 disposals... Um, just shows a bloke that isn't able to, you know, run and uh, find the footy as much as he'd like. Laid the two tackles, had two clearances, uh, but certainly he's capable of much more than that. So you'd have to say that, that uh, the Giants got the better of him on the night. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Dylan couldn't um, have a win against his old side. The next player, um, yeah, Aaron Francis. Um, Look, the first half, I thought he did a great job on Jeremy Cameron, and you know Jeremy Cameron's such a classy a player. Sorry, um, yeah, he kept him goalless at half time, and I was a bit surprised we'd chosen Francis to play on Cameron, uh, but yeah, he just missed a couple of opportunities with his kicking. You know, he, as you mentioned um, during the uh, review of the game, he missed a couple of kicks that. Would have made the result maybe a little bit different because uh, when he fluffs his kicks, he really fluffs them, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he just, I don't know what it, if it's a concentration thing or, you know, he he doesn't focus. I'm not sure what it is, but um, yeah, Cameron definitely showed his class in the second half. He kicked that quick goal um, after the resumption of after half time, and um, he was pretty important in the last and. Aaron looked a little bit tired in my view. Yeah, he did. And I think he really, as I said, missed that structure of having Ridley there so they could chop out between each other. And yeah, so he he had the 10 disposals at the end of the day, uh, three marks, which was important, uh, three tackles and a clearance. Uh, But look, I I agree. I think he played quite a good role on uh, Jeremy Cameron for large parts of the game. But just obviously he got like Cameron got free in that last quarter and got a bit more dangerous. But I think he actually played quite well. Yes, there were a few brain fades there, you know, with his with his kicking. But um, there's, a, there's a real player in Francis. 
I was very heartened to see him play so well on Cameron because he's he's absolute gun. So um, yeah, I'm pretty. I was pretty impressed with his performance um, for most of the night, and uh, yeah, I think he had a pretty solid game. Yeah, he. Yeah, there's definitely something there with Aaron. Um, I agree with you. Just um, yeah, some of his kicking was really costly, as I mentioned, and you know the the other thing is uh, we haven't seen Francis play on you know the team's number one goal scorer too often, uh, and so you know, I guess in development it was a good experience for him. Uh, we kind of called you know before the game started um, when we did our preview show, we thought maybe Zerk Thatcher might get a go, um, and they decided to go with Aaron, so. He didn't let us down in the contest part of it. Uh, it was just Jeremy's obviously a lot quicker. In, and a few times when the ball was loose, he kind of left Aaron. Um, you know, you could see there was a big discrepancy in pace. And um, a couple of loose balls Jeremy Cameron was able to run onto. And Aaron Francis was giving everything to chase, but it just didn't have the same speed. But yeah. I think he's definitely worth persevering with and hopefully we see uh, the best of Aaron in the years to come. The next player was David Zaharakis and uh, he's had the 18 possessions, but again, he started the game well, I thought. I didn't see a lot of him in that second half. Nah. Um, kicked a goal, obviously, so that was good. But really, he's... So he's had nine kicks, nine handballs. Um, but to be honest with you, I didn't really notice him that much. Uh, I guess he's he's running with and getting around the contest and providing that bit of link-up play. But really, we need more from him uh, because he is such a good disposer of the footy. He should be lacing someone out in the forward fifty, and you know, to get blokes like a Stewart involved in the game, you know, like McKernan. Like to to use his marking power. Um, I know those blokes are down on form, down on confidence, but you know blokes like David Zaharakis who are capable of uh, you know just really lacing someone out and and hitting him on the tit um, wasn't able to do that. So I mean, I suppose you'd you'd have to say from the uh, eighteen disposals he's had an all right game, kicked the goal as I said, but really uh, isn't. Like it's not you don't look at his game and go wow he was he was great or there were some really great moments uh, it was pretty average for mine but I don't know how do you see it James I think it's more of a reflection of uh, where we stack up in class against the Giants uh, Zach uh, sorry David Zarakis is he's obviously not he's on the back end of his career obviously I was pleased to see that I pushed him up in the midfield a little bit more in, on the wing. Um, they gave him a bit of an opportunity to get into the game, and he certainly was finding the ball, but uh, he just can't... Like, he's lost a bit of speed, obviously, and uh, the other team, the opposition team, pretty much closed him up pretty quick now. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was obviously a better game for him than he had been playing in some of the, his low-possession rate games. But um, I still think there's a lot more to get out of David Zaharakis and I'm not sure we're using him as best as we could be. So I'm hoping to see uh, that happen because, as I said before, 
David's signed on for next year as well. So this isn't a retirement uh, year for him. So and we won't want to be paying a player to sit in the twos next year. So we've got to get David to a point where he feels like he can best contribute to the club and, and the club gets the benefit of having David Zarakis on our list. So let's hope David um, improves as the season goes on. Uh, Tom Cutler was interesting. Um, 13 possessions, but uh, I, I've got to say, some of his kicking was pretty poor. For a guy who can kick the ball a long way, uh, a lot of his kicks seemed to go out of bounds on the full. Yeah, it was it was a funny old game from him. Uh, certainly, uh, yeah, a lot of his kicks he'd, he'd like to have back again. I mean, you look at his stats and he had 13 disposals. Uh, only the five kicks from that, so eight handballs. Uh, and there's, again, you know, we, we seem to have this handball game where we, it's like in tight, you know, you'll you'll see five players around the footy just handballing between each other. And then when we try to release, well, we're, we're generally under pressure and, you know, that's where you spray them outside, um, you know, on the full or, or something like that. But one thing I did like about Tommy Cutler, he was trying to get involved in the game. He actually helped out a bit in defence, which was pretty promising to see. Uh, laid a couple of tackles, uh, had two clearances. But, I mean, for a wingman, um, you're, I sort of mentioned it last week, he's, he's, his role is to get the ball uh, you know, down the wing and get it going forward for us. But he only had the 82 metres gained. Uh, so he hasn't been able to play that role. So I'd have to say it was a... Uh, you know, below average game from Tommy Cutler. Um, not putting the blowtorch on him or anything like that. I think he's he's building. He'll be a player for us. Um, so, yeah, a, a down game from him, but, uh, you know, he'll be better for the run. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think there's something there. And, you know, he's a bit taller than some of our other players that we play through the wings. Uh, he's not an over-physical player, so he doesn't use that um, size... In, in an aggressive style, but he's got a long kick on him. As you said, he didn't use it on the night, and a lot of his possessions, eight of them were handballs, where I think if you're going to get the best out of Tom Cutler, you'll want him kicking the ball long. So, um, again, that's, you know, Tom's learning to play in a, a new club with new teammates, and you know, he, he'll benefit as the season goes on. Uh, Jordan Ridley... Uh, continued his good season. He got in our votes again, mate, but uh, he did find it a little bit tougher. The, the Giants was definitely focusing on him. And, uh, yeah, he copped a bit of an injury late in the match. Yeah, he did, mate. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he pulls up all right from his ribs and, and that shoulder there. Uh, yeah, really, really seemed to cop it. Um, but it played pretty, pretty well up until that point. Uh, so he had the 17 disposals. Eight marks, importantly, so he's uh, held back down there again with the intercept marking. Two tackles, uh, had a clearance as well, uh, but only the 108 metres gained, interestingly. So, as you say, the Giants really clamped down on him, didn't let him get uh, too much of the footy, and certainly when he did have the footy, he had to get rid of it pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, like a, a really solid game from from Ridley, and let's hope that he uh, gets up for the next game. I dare say he'll miss on Wednesday, just to be sure that he'll be cherry ripe to go uh, for Saturday, because we certainly want to wouldn't want to rush him back. Um, but 
yeah, I just love what these blokes put out on the park week in, week out. Yeah, he's been very impressive and, uh, yeah, it would be a shame for him to miss uh, if he was to miss the Suns game, but you definitely want him playing for, against the Saints um, to give us any chance to win that game. So let's hope uh, Jordan uh, recovers well. Uh, yeah, he wasn't able to use uh, longer-range kicks on the night because of the, the clampdown that the Giants were doing on him, but every little kick he does, he seems to hit a target. So even if they were short and um, he was still hit finding his targets, and um, you know, I think that's the making of him. He's, he's starting to cop, you know, almost a opposition tag in his um, in their forward line. They're really targeting Jordan Ridley, and if he comes through this, you know, learning how to to put up with that and still use his elite kicking. Uh, he's going to be a real player for the Bombers. Uh, next player is James Stewart, and you know, he's only had the four possessions, two kicks, two handballs, but I feel like we've got to persist with him because um, the way we do our forward entries, as we mentioned, have, has been pretty terrible, and um, I, I still feel we need to play those two key forwards, and James Stewart, for the time being, has to be one. Yeah, he does, mate. Um, so the four possessions, but the the thing I just find really baffling is he only paid, played 68% time on the ground. And you think if a bloke's you know, not able to run out you know, even three quarters of the match, I don't know if it's fitness or just that they, they're not playing him, you know, we're without a tall marking target in the forward 50 for at least, you know, a third of the match, uh, which is absolutely ridiculous. So, like, even if he's not playing well, he'll still present an option. And especially with Townsend going out early in the match, and, like, let's be honest, mate, like, we don't have much in the way at all forward, so it was James Stewart and Jacob Townsend as those taller marking options. Uh, With Jacob Townsend going out, you needed him to play a bit more, but, you know, we've not done that. Uh, And equally... Even even when he was on the ground, our forward entries were were pretty rubbish anyway. So it's um I don't know he's obviously a bloke down on confidence, down on form, but we're certainly not helping him by rubbish entries into the forward fifty, and to be only be playing you know sixty eight percent of the time on ground when we don't have a lot of tall forward marking options, um, it just leaves me questioning the the coaching around that. Because, um, you know, if he's not playing down there, who are we hitting up forward? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just a bit, bit baffling for mine. But, yeah, how do you see it, mate? Yeah, well, obviously we didn't see a lot of him at all. Um, and, yeah, he's definitely found uh, AFL footy hard to you know, be reintroduced to. Um, but uh, let's just say our forward entry has not been kind. And I think the marks that he, or the possessions he did get was way up the ground. He didn't really have a shot for goal on the night. So, um, yeah, we're just in a difficult position with the way we're playing. It's not really suited to a key forward, but we need one. Um, That's why we're so desperate to get Joe Danaher back if we can at some point. Because, um, you know, I think James Stewart would benefit from that. Um, we both have commented, you know, Sean McKernan hasn't had a great year. So 
we're really struggling with our big forwards and um yeah, I just feel we've got to persist with James Stewart and let him build into the season and you know, we may not play finals this year and it's looking more increasingly we won't, but you know, we also need to be mindful of uh twenty twenty one and you know, we don't want to be in limbo year after year and um you know, I'd be seeing this season almost as a mini pre-season for next year, and that's why I think James Stewart has to be persisted with. Uh, the next player was uh, Michael Hurley, and he's been our acting captain, and you know, I thought he stood up, and you know, he's been playing a good leadership role. Yeah, he has been, mate. He's uh, I don't know, just so solid down there and dependable. So 23 disposals, uh, 14 kicks out of those, importantly. Um, took the eight marks, as I said earlier. So he's so important down there. He's such a smart footy player. And uh, just another really solid game from uh, from Hurls. He played 95% of match time. So when Jordan Ridley went out, um, you know, he, he really shouldered the load there. So... Uh, I'm hoping he's still fresh enough to play on Wednesday. Uh, I don't think he'll play all of these games uh, coming up, so I think if he plays on Wednesday, he'll probably miss on Saturday. You know, we'll just manage him. But he's such an important player for us, and um, yeah, just loves your work. Hurls, uh, what did you have to add for him, James? Yeah, I don't think there's any chance he'll miss the Saints game. Um, you know, they've got some forwards that. Um, we'll definitely need Michael Hurley there for. Um, probably the Suns is probably the game he might miss if he was going to have a break, I think. So, uh, But if Ridley's injured and he can't play, that might put the pressure on Hurley to play all these games. And you know, when you're 29 and you've got to play three games in about a week, um, it will be tough for him. But he stood up all year, I thought, and you know, he's done a good job of the leadership duties. A uh, player we didn't mention, or we didn't see much, to be honest, um, not through fault of his, Jacob Townsend. Um, yeah, he uh, was out of the game before we knew it, and yeah, they, he looked really groggy after that hit. Yeah, the poor bugger. He's uh, he really, really copped it. But interestingly, you know, he had two tackles up until that point in the game, so that's one thing we really missed. Uh, from him, and uh, yes, at the end of the day, he had you know the one disposal, but um, yeah, the poor bloke. So he'll he'll miss these next couple of games at least, uh, but hopefully he gets gets well after that. And uh, yeah, but certainly we won't see him for uh, for a couple of games to come. Yeah, there's not much to say more about Jacob Townsend because uh, we didn't have much more data to go off. So. Yeah, I can only hope that you know him freshening up um, and trying to get himself right for his next opportunity. So, yeah, uh, the next player we've got is Mason Redmond. Now he's had a bit more of the ball than he has in the past. He had seventeen possessions, um, but he still looks a little bit suspect down back in a contest, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Which is, I don't know, like he's obviously down on confidence for mine. Um. Yeah, obviously getting those 17 disposals is good, and he had 10 kicks of those, so that's a really positive sign for Mason Ribbon that he's starting to back himself a bit more. But as I sort of talked about earlier on in the pod, um, you know, a lot of those kicks were just those down-the-line 
to a contest um, sort of thing. And, you know, the Giants were just gobbling that up every single time. He had the six marks, which was good. Um, 205 metres gained for us, but it wasn't effective in that, you know, yes, it was going down our way, but, you know, Giants were just uh, either punching it out or, you know, grabbing the footy and running back the other way. So, look, he'll be better for the run. Um, and I'm hoping he, the club get around him as well because uh, he just does reek of a bloke who is down on confidence and isn't fully backing his abilities. I think there's a real player in Mason Redmond. I really like, I really like him. It's just a shame that his competitive work just seems really down lately. And um, yeah, I'm just not sure what the go is there uh, as to why that is. But again, I hope the footy club get around him and start building his confidence back up again because I, I think he's a real player. But uh, yeah, what did you have to add for him, Jane? Yeah, well, I like that he got a bit more of the footy than he had been getting. And we've always mentioned he's got a great kick on him usually. Um, he's a hard worker. And I think that as long as he keeps, um, you know, I think he'd, his opportunities to get pushed up the ground a little bit more, I'd like to see his kicking used a bit more up the ground. I think we can uh, suffice without him um, down back. But... You know, I just hope the club is doing everything they can to get him a little bit more competitive in those one-on-one contests because uh, every time I see him and an opponent, I'm I'm almost defeated that the opponent's going to win. So, and you don't want that when your players are in a one-on-one contest because it may decide a game and, you know, he needs to get better in that area. The next player was Brendan Zerk Thatcher, and I actually thought he played a pretty good game. Um, he took that big hit, um, you know, diving for the ball and smashing his head against the ground. But um, yeah, he got up and showed no real ill effects from that. And I thought he did a pretty good job, you know, playing his role. Yeah, he did. And, uh, you know, he was really solid for us. You know, had the 16 disposals, eight marks. So, again, another one of these players getting the intercept marks down there and couple of tackles but you know you said before you know that that Francis was a bit slow on Jeremy Cameron well geez I don't think Zerk Thatcher would have been all that quick you saw that contest on the wing there where Himmelberg uh, just led him on a merry race and uh, Zerk Thatcher like really struggled to you know try to impact that contest and like as we sort of saw Himmelberg just ran away with it so um yeah, like another solid game from Zerk Thatcher. I really like what he brings to the side. Uh, that massive hit um, I sort of talked about earlier was really good to see him sort of lay that sort of really hard tackle. And again, like this is one of those blokes. I think he's a real player in Zerk Thatcher. So, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing him don the red and black for many years to come. Yeah, he was uh, pretty good on the night and... Uh, I think uh, it's a good chance he might get the matchup on Ben King this week. So uh, he seems well suited to play on him, but uh, we'll wait and see uh, for the side to be named. Uh, Mac Welfie got back into the side, and again, one of those players we didn't see a lot of in the last quarter and and in the middle of the last, uh, sorry, in the middle of the third, but. Um, I thought he used the ball really well early. Um, he set up Langford for a goal, and 
I was actually quite impressed uh, the way that he came back into the footy, and I think he's another one that his contested style is really needed at the moment, and I, yeah, I hope the club gives him another run. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, like that kick he made to Langford was just perfect. So, and, and that's one of the things over the last couple of years with Guelphie, the downfall I've seen with him is his disposal can be a bit suspect at times. Like you, it's either those um, kicks down the line or um, like he, his ability to hit targets was a bit more limited. But I thought, you know, in this game, he, he showed real class with the footy. So that was really pleasing to see. Uh, you know, his first game back for, for a while, so he was a bit rusty uh, at the AFL level. But he'll definitely get back into it. He's a he's a bloke who leaves nothing out there on the park. He puts everything into it. Uh, so the twelve disposals, uh, three marks, a couple of tackles thrown in there. Uh, had a goal assist, as I said. So that kick to Langford. Uh, so he done well. He'll he'll build from this game. And um, yeah, like while not an outstanding game, I, I thought he was solid. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Sammy Draper. Um... Again, second game, and he's looking very impressive. And he had to play against a pretty tough Shane Mumford, and he he didn't show any um, form of you know being shy to play against uh, Mumford, and gave as good as he got. Yeah, he certainly did, mate. That uh, accidental arm into Mumford's face early in the game was brilliant, and I actually kind of liked that he didn't bother turning around saying sorry about that, mate. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was real, real good from Draper. And, uh, you know, while Mummy's not a, a a good tap tap ruckman, like he's more your bullocking ruckman, um, I thought it was really good from, from Draper to stand up and he didn't get bullied in the game. So he had the 13 disposals in the end, uh, 16 hit out, so he did pretty well in there, six clearances, which I think was just fantastic from him. Uh, and with his disposals, 230 metres gained for us which is uh, pretty big from a from a ruckman. But also had two shots on goal with one that, that bang from outside 50 that uh, that missed. Uh, but the, the goal was uh, very good to see. And uh, as we sort of mentioned earlier, he's obviously a very talented and uh, popular player down at Bomberland. And yeah, he's just a really exciting prospect that I look forward to seeing uh, for many years to come. Yeah, no, definitely one of the highlights of the last couple of weeks has been watching Sam Draper, and he's got an impressive leap on him, and uh, yeah, he's going to be a player that will give Bomber fans a lot to be excited about, I imagine, in the years to come. Uh, the next player was Will Snelling, and again, it was one of those games he got his 13 possessions, but four kicks and only and nine handballs, so... Again, he wins a lot of the ball in close, and um, yeah, I just again he's another player. I don't think we're using to his strengths, but his efforts always there. But how did you rate him? Yeah, I think you're right, James. And I honestly think it comes down to our lack of big-bodied mids, uh, because he's having to try to try and win his own footy. And if you've got Will Snelling on the bottom of a pack trying to trying to dish it out, um, you know he doesn't. He's obviously you can't be two places at once, so he's not streaming past, you know, getting the footy and using his really good disposal to get it going inside fifty for us. Um, so as you say, the thirteen disposals, um, three tackles. Usually his tackle numbers are quite a lot up there, uh, but not this game. Uh, had the two clearances, 
two goal assists. Um, so he, he was trying to get us looking dangerous. But, uh, yeah, really didn't have much impact on the game. And I think it's just our sort of lack of uh, sort of bigger-bodied cattle on the park and and really a, a lack of a, a well-structured um, game style. So, yeah, I suppose an average game from him. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, for a player of his size, like to get 13 possessions and... You know, only and nine of them are handballs, and he did have the two goal assists, so that's an important stat. But yeah, I, I just think he needs to be played um, in a position that he can be released on because his kicking is quite an asset, but he's not being able to use that as you can tell by his possession rate four and nine, four kicks, nine handballs. That means he's not being able to use one of his great skills of kicking the ball and. I think he can be a really good spot-up kick, so uh, we need to kind of release him to be able to use that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he keeps going. Um, you know, whether the club persists with the small midfield and um, or whether Dylan Clark can get a run because at least he'd be a point of difference. He's got a bigger body. Uh, he can probably play a lockdown if you want to try that. I know John Walsfold's reluctant to do that but um i just don't understand why because dylan was pretty important especially in the mid part of last year the next player was adam sard and we both gave him votes and yeah he's such an impressive player i love watching him play and uh he's kicking is really damaging um and although he hasn't been able to use a whole heap of run on the night He's still a really important player. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, solid as you get with Sardi. So, as we said before, so the 20 disposals, three clearances, interestingly, uh, and kick that goal at the death there. So, yeah, he's such a gun for us. And he, you know, he only played 80% of game time. So, you know, from a limited sort of duration game, I thought he's he's done pretty well. And uh, you'd imagine he'd... He'd uh, back up pretty well on Wednesday night. So another really good game from Sardi. Yeah, playing against his old club come Wednesday. Uh, next player was Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. And yeah, it just hasn't been his year, has it? It's um, yeah, it's not for lack of effort, but yeah, he just hasn't been able to reproduce what he was able to in some of the games last year where he'd, you know, have match-winning displays, and you know that we talked about that kick where he um, gave it off to McKernan rather than taking the responsibility of going back and kicking an important goal. And I hope the club talked to him about that one because we need good kicks of the footy to take on that responsibility. Yeah, we do. Um, so what? Another down game from Tipper. Like he kicked a goal, uh, missed another, and. Uh, he obviously gave that other one off to, to McKernan. Had the four tackles, which is good. So, yeah, when he did get thrown into the midfield there, he was throwing his body around. Had two clearances, 216 metres gained. Um, so I guess the promising thing is he did try to keep getting involved in the in the game. But that's sort of been been his season, really. Like, he's trying to get into it, but he's just not in good touch. Uh, so let's hope he uh, 
continues to build uh, as we go forward because we certainly miss that you know exciting brand of play you can uh, you can bring to the side. Yeah, that's right, and um, it was really disappointing. You know, we only had four seconds left after the Adam Sard goal. Uh, there was a play where you know Tipper was running out of the middle of the ground with the ball, um, and it looked like you know if the game had gone another minute, who knows what would have happened. But um, he looked set, you know, he was at full pace and you know, having a, a bounce, and I would have loved to have seen what would have happened uh, because AMT can do the magical stuff as we know, but it just hasn't been his season. Um, you know, I've seen a few comments say that you know he's been away from his you know mom and you know it's been a long time for him and um, yeah let's hope that yeah you know, he settles and can have a big second half or you know, of this year and you know, we know if AMT is playing good footy um, better results will come our way. Uh, another player who's been struggling this year, mate, is Sean McKernan and that continued as well. Yeah, it did, mate. So only the nine disposals from him. Uh, he missed that goal, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, only had the six hitouts against uh, Big Mumford, and uh, that was sort of disappointing as that sort of backup Ruckman. He really wasn't able to uh, play much of a role there. Uh, I suppose the only upside is he, he didn't give away as many frees as he has uh, previously, so I suppose you take his silver linings. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been really down on form all year um, and just for not really giving us a, a solid option I suppose at any part of the ground really um, so I get, you know, he took four marks so that's good but uh, yeah, he just didn't really make an impact on the game yeah, well, again he's another player that we just needed to stand up this year you know when you think Stewart's just come back into the side Danaher's been away. Um, we would have been banking that uh, if if Sean was going to be our main key tall, that he could have a a better season than he's had. And um, you know we've talked about his giving away a lot of free kicks. He didn't do that on the night as you mentioned, but he is a player that is capable of so much more. And you know we just need to get him back to last year's level because. Some of the games last year, he was really important and got us over the line. So oh, I don't think he's enjoying playing at Metricon. It doesn't seem that way. A lot of the games he's played there, he's had low possession rates. And, um, you know, I think he is a better option of the second Ruckman than Bell Chambers because, as we mentioned last week, Bell Chambers really needs to be given the main duties or he's not going to help you much. But... To be honest, he's not giving much more than Tom Bell James up forward either. So, yeah, let's hope um, you know, Sean McKernan can get back to some resemblance of form because, you know, eventually, you know, I wonder if the club will go Phillips and Draper rather than uh, McKernan and Draper. And, you know, we, we tend to think that McKernan's a more of a forward, but... On what we've seen this year, you couldn't say that really, could you? No, you couldn't. And um, yeah, look, let's hope that Smack can find his old form again, because uh, he can be just like such an exciting player for us and get us up and about. 
But yeah, it just hasn't been his year. Uh, Connor McKenna, uh, he played pretty much most of the game up forward and, as we mentioned, had the four possessions. Uh, he did do a couple of things that made him look like he had a bit more of the ball than, than I thought, but um, yeah, that 50 metre against Heath Shaw was pretty costly. And um, yeah, it's, to me, it just seems like the the club and him are playing a bit of tug of war, and um, I think you know he's definitely mentioned during the week that he's still homesick, and he's giving no guarantee that he'll fulfil his contract of playing next year. Um, and I think the club are now trying to get him to the position where he wants to play, which is up forward. But, um, yeah, I, I hope this isn't Connor's last year in the red and black because at his best, he's a fantastic player to watch. And, yeah, I'm not sure why he's so keen to play up forward. He plays some great football down back. But um, if he's going to play up forward, at least he'll have a go at anything, won't he? Because if there's one thing about Connor McKenna, he does the unpredictable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for... For Connor, he probably, you know, obviously in the Gaelic game, he uh, that's where he plays. He's a he's a forward, and he uh, you know loves to kick a goal, and he is such a, a classy player. Uh, he can do the mercurial, so perhaps he wants to do that on the uh, footy field. And you know, to be honest with you, he probably recognises that the big forwards of the game, in terms of like uh, not size, but those who can kick a number of goals. They get paid a lot more than your backman, uh, so he's probably trying to cash in on his skills there. But in saying that, uh, you've got to do more than four disposals uh, if you want to be known as one of the the better uh, sort of forwards of the game. Um, so, but in saying that, like his his impact on the game was a bit more than his his four disposals. Uh, you know, those those taps I said I mentioned earlier, really important. The, that bit of body work on Shaw where he uh, managed to get that goal. So he does show a bit, McKenna, and I agree with you. He's, he's such an outstanding player when he's up and about. So I'd love to see him actually find some form. And, uh, yeah, like you, I, I hope he plays uh, for the Dons uh, for many years to come because, uh, yeah, I think he'd be a big loss uh, if he went back to Ireland after this year. Yeah, and I just found it interesting the club... Left him up forward most of the game. Look, I thought in that last quarter, you know, the ball spent so much time in the Giants' um, forward line. It would have been an opportunity to swing McKenna down back to try and generate some run, try and get it into our forward line from there. But, um, yeah, kind of stayed up forward for most of that match. And the only time he came down was really... You know, trying to man up on Heath Shaw when he pressed forward. So um, whether a discussion's been made where McKenna's choosing where he plays, um, that shows a little bit of desperation from my end if the club has agreed to that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought McKenna down back, especially in that last quarter where the ball was, uh, you know, basically pitched the tent and was living, um was pretty important, um, a pretty important move to at least uh, try, but we didn't do that, and yeah, unfortunately, we didn't get the win. Well, that's uh, every player, so um, I guess 
the next thing to do is have our break and we'll do a prediction of the side to be named on Tuesday for Wednesday's match against the Gold Coast Suns. That's next after the break. You're listening to Don's Cast, and as we wrap up the show, we always do our match prediction, or not match prediction, it's our team selection prediction. Um, Mate, why don't you start? Who you got coming in and out, and do you have players managed because of the shortened game? Yeah, I do. um, Another two managed because of uh, injury, and look, honestly, uh, so I see Townsend, like he'll obviously miss uh, because of the concussion there. Uh, but I also see Ridley missing. I think that knock to his ribs, you know, the club would really want to make sure he's, he's right to go. So I think they'll give him the full week uh, and potentially line up on Saturday. Uh, so I don't see him lining up on Wednesday. Uh, Draper, I see being managed. Um, like this bloke's come off an ACL from last year. So I don't think we'd want to push him too hard too early. So I think we'll give him a rest and... Uh, yeah, he'll be he'll be managed, uh, and the other C player I see managed is uh, David Zaharakis. I think, you know, he's obviously played every game this year, uh, but perhaps he'll be managed this week. Uh, you know, given that we've got a lineup on on Saturday as well. Uh, so coming into the side, I see Bell Chambers coming in for Draper, uh, just to give us a, a solid um, chance in the ruck there. Uh, Marty Gleeson I see coming in for Ridley um, and I actually see uh, Hibbard coming in for Townsend um, I suppose not, not a like for like in terms of position on the ground but I think a uh, you know that bigger body that we desperately missed in the midfield there so I see Hibbard uh, coming back in uh, and the other player I see coming in is Clark for, for Zaharakis I think uh you know he's he's been on the emergencies for a number of weeks now. Uh, he's obviously showed a bit last year in terms of when he played an AFL level footy. Uh, so I think he would he's been knocking down the door by all reports uh, at training. So I think he might finally get his opportunity. How about yourself, mate? How do you see the changes? Yeah, I've got the same changes. Uh, majority of those I've got. Yeah, I believe Draper would probably miss. Um, uh, just to have a spell because, as you said, he is coming back from an ACL. And, you know, to ask a young bloke to play three games in a week, which is essentially what you ask him to do, uh, you know, this is a blue chip investment by us. Um, I signed him up for four years. I certainly wouldn't want to see him overworked or at risk. And um, I feel like he, he would be best suited to play against the Saints in a week time than play a few days later against Gold Coast Suns. So, yeah, I think Tom Bell Chambers might get the knock. I think um, the other player I see, the same as you, you know, I'd be doubtful that Ridley will get up, um, you know, considering we play again only four days afterwards. So I think they might err on the side of caution with him and maybe play a Marty Gleeson to direct the ball out of the back line. Uh, obviously not as well as Jordan, but um, I think he's a player that could benefit from um, getting a bit more game time and having the you know the expectation to win a bit of his own ball. 
because he has got a pretty pretty good kick on him, um, and it could be used in that match. Uh, the other players I've got, I've definitely got Dylan Clark and his first chance to come into the side. And, um, yeah, I've done that one for David Zaharakis. So, as I said, we've got a lot of them the same. And the other player I've got, I've got um, Tom Cutler having a rest for the... Um, sorry, not Tom Cutler, sorry, uh, Jacob Townsend. Obviously not being able to play due to that knock. And I've got Braden Ham to come back in um, against the young Gold Coast side and uh, join on the wing with Tom Cutler for the Bombers to uh, generate a bit of run with David Zarakis having a miss as well. So um, I think this is the time if you're going to manage players, you probably manage them for the... Gold Coast game rather than the Saints game, so uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's more players managed than what we've um, just named then, mate, because uh, it's a lot to ask to play three games in essentially eight days. Yeah, it is, um, but you know, this is what professional footy's about, and you've got to be uh, adaptable to the season, and certainly this season's like no other, and uh, I think really um, like I guess while it would be tempting to manage a few more players what you wouldn't want to see is to bring too many changes because uh, that just you know affects your consistency in playing together and, and all that sort of thing so uh, and would probably throw our structures really out of whack uh, and that wouldn't just impact us for that game it impact us for the next game as well where you know, it's just that lack of consistency playing together and that kind of thing. So uh, I don't think there'll be a huge amount of changes. There might be a few more, as you say. But, um, yeah, well, I guess we'll see you on, on Tuesday. Yeah, well, concerningly, we're uh, one win, three losses in the last four games. So, um, you know, it's getting pretty down to be a Bomber supporter at the moment. We'd love to see the side bounce back and... Um, you know, we'll wait till Tuesday for the team to be named, but I just feel like the pressure's starting to come to the club now. Um, I think more and more people are a little bit concerned about what is Bombers, what is the Bombers' future? Where are we headed? And uh, I think the club will feel that pressure as well, and I'll, I want to see better results and maybe some stern words are said internally um, to get a little bit more you know, up front with where we're headed. Well, mate, that was a big session, but um, had to be said. And let's hope uh, we're excited again for our footy on Wednesday night. And we'll wait till Tuesday for the team to be named. But apart from that, go Bombers. Go Dons. <laughs>